Let's do it. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call? Got every single line wide open. That'll get you right straight to us and right straight to the top of the list. That's right. Right now, it's the perfect time to call. That's it. Because it usually happens. Come <laughs> 10 minutes to 11. Yeah. They throw us out of here at 11 o'clock. We got a list full of pile of people, pile of people sitting there on hold. We don't get a chance to get to them. Of course, been out for two weeks on vacation. It's good to be back. Back in the old pilot seat here, live and direct. And I say, if you have a question, you just go ahead and give us a call. We'll get you an answer and get you some advice and a little rhetoric in between. Get you going. <laughs> That's right. Teach something about a car, maybe. Maybe. Maybe teach something you didn't know. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> I had a fellow come to the shop yesterday. I think well, he says, man, I learned something every time I listen to that show. He said, I thought I knew a lot about cars. Well, there's a lot to know. You know, <laughs> There's definitely a lot to know. <laughs> Don't feel bad. I've been, I've been learning 40 years. I still, <laughs> I still learn something every day. You know? Isn't that the truth? Oh, yeah. I always like learning. I just don't always like being taught. You know? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's a, it's a hard process getting taught. So. Yep. You know, just in case you don't get a chance to call in or something occurred to you during the week. That's right. You can always get your questions answered on our website. It's www.agcoauto.com. Right. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Easy way to remember that. It's the acronym for it is Altazan's Garage Company. Right. There's a contact bar on every page. You can send Lewis an email any time of the day or night, and he'll get it back to you within 24 hours. If you don't get bone back in 24 hours, please resend it and check the return address because... Yep. If we get it and address is wrong, that's kind of the end of the, yeah, end of the I, line I for us. Yeah, I can't get it back to you because it just kind of bounces back to me. And I've had people say that they sent something and I never received it. But I think what's happened, if you look on that form where you send it, there's one button that says send this email. If you push that, a little thank you note's going to pop up and say thank you for sending this question. Uh-huh. There's another one that says clear form and start over. And okay. if you accidentally hit the wrong button, <laughs> it, it You don't get the through. little message that says That's it got right. sent out. So if you don't see the thank you for sending your message, you probably didn't get it sent out there. there so you go. check that and see. Because I, I never, never, ever ignore an email. If I was on vacation, I was getting probably eight to ten emails a day. So uh-huh. that was real good. I was always glad to say every afternoon about six o'clock, I'd go kind of mosey up to the front. They had a Wi-Fi connection up there and sit down on my laptop master all my emails. So There you go. Even on vacation. That's right. That's right. Hey, you just kind of keeps your hand in the door. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. So, And uh, pop on there, we got the detailed topic section, which has just a whole lot of information on an individual topic. Put one in there this morning on nitrogen fill on tires. Uh-huh. That's a big topic. That's something relatively new. And in my opinion, it's kind of like the latest and greatest snake oil to be sold to people. All right. But gives you a lot of information in there. Most of the claims that I see are grossly exaggerated. I don't want to go into it in depth right now, but if you go in there and read, it'll tell you why you may want to reconsider paying an extra 10 bucks for, for <laughs> nitrogen, nitrogen in your tires. Uh-huh. So that's one of the things. Going in there on brake shutter and brake calipers and all that kind of stuff. And just peruse around, hit the search bar if you can't find what you're looking for, and I think you'll find some information on almost any topic you want. There's just pretty much got everything covered on there as far as automotive. There's quite a few of it in there. So, And the best thing about it, it's not going to cost you a dime to get all That's that right. information. That's right. It's all free, and it's all unbiased, just good, truthful information. So much. I know when I was researching this article on nitrogen and tires, almost everything that you can find, I'm talking probably 40 pages in Google, are going to be either by tire companies that are trying to sell it to you or the people who make the machines that are trying that to put sell it in there it. <laughs> are right. trying to sell it exactly. to you. 
So it's real hard. You can find there's an article in there on Consumer Reports who basically bashed it as well, said uh-huh. nope, not worth the money. It's not really going to do much of anything. But other than a few people like that, there's not a lot of truthful information out there. Most of it is just sales presentation. So right. that's a good article. You might want to peruse around and look on there and see what you think. www.agcoagcoauto.com. Lots of good information. And we're going online with Joe. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, Lewis. I've been wanting to call you for several days at your shop, but okay. I didn't do it. I decided I wanted to put it on the air. Okay, well, that's good. I think it was two Saturdays ago. You had a wonderful show. You were giving out so much informative information, uh-huh. even being a female, and I don't know what a wrench is from a screwdriver, <laughs> but I still enjoy listening to things that you talk about about a car. I learn a lot well, about right. it. But do you recall what you talked about two weeks ago? You didn't have a guest on. You right. On. It was a pre-recorded show. I think the one two weeks ago was on buying a car, either new or used. That and about oil and yes, ma'am. cars running short distance, long distance. Correct, as, as opposed to a longer trip. Yeah. I, my call was to ask you if there's a time when you feel fit to replay that. I just thought it was wonderful enough to to have it on the air when you want to go to the Bahamas. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. Probably, I guess Labor Day weekend is the next holiday. Mm-hmm. And generally, I make up, try to make up a new show because I don't want people to get tired of listening, but I can uh, do it then. Or, now, what you can do also, Joe, is go on my website and you can download that show. Good, good, good. If you go on the site and register, which doesn't cost you anything, it's just you put in your email address to prove that you're a real person and not a spy bot. Uh-huh. But if you register, when you go to the archive part of it, it'll list the last show, every show for last year is listed in there. Okay. You click on it, it'll play it right there on your computer. Very good. I wanted to compliment you on well, that. Thank I didn't you. realize it was a rerun. I had not heard it before. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, that, it was a new program, but it was pre recorded because I was out of town. Thank you so much. Thank you, ma'am. Bye-bye. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Steve online. Good morning, Steve. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Well, my daughter-in-law has a 94 Honda Accord Mm -hmm. automatic. Uh Uh-huh. And she had the fluid changed Uh in the transmission. Yes, sir. And she had it done at one of these five-minute things. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. And after she had it done, it started slipping. Okay. Uh, So she went to the Honda dealer and Mm -hmm. had it. The Honda fluid put in Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to help for a while, then now it's starting to slip again. Yes, sir. Now, when you say it's slipping, Steve, what exactly is it doing? Well, like when you when you take off from a stop sign, uh-huh. and I haven't driven it. I'm just going by what she told yeah. me. You know, so when you take off from a, a stoplight stop sign, kind of hesitate and slips, and then it, it catches it. Well, goes. you probably need to drive it yourself, Steve, and just see. And the way you can tell if it's slipping is if you watch your tachometer and you mash the gas pedal and the speedometer does not go up, but the tachometer does, that's slipping. They should pretty much go up together. Right. And okay. there's a lots of things that people will think is slipping that's really not slipping. It's something else because lots of things that feel like that. Generally, if you put the wrong fluid in a Honda, it's not so much going to slip. It's going to shift hard because the Honda fluid has a friction modifier that allows it to shift a lot smoother. Now, mm-hmm. If it's slipping and if it is completely full of fluid, which is two great big old ifs, then it is most likely going to be an internal problem in the transmission. There are a few things on the outside that can control that. In other words, it's got a regulator in there, a solenoid that opens and closes that controls the pressure that goes to the clutches. 
And if that solenoid hangs up or doesn't operate when you apply the, the throttle, and it has to, when it sees throttle, it's going to apply more pressure to the clutches. It will indeed slip. Now, if that's what's going on, that will destroy that transmission so fast you won't even be able to think about it. Right. I mean, in just a matter of days, it'll destroy the transmission. So mm-hmm. you need to get that checked real, real soon by somebody that you trust because Honda's had more than a little bit of trouble with the transmissions, you know, mm-hmm. all the way from 90. Get when it's 89, I think, up to about 2003, they were under a factory recall up to 107,000 miles for transmissions going out. So, 100 what? 107, seven years or 107,000 miles. Okay. So, she might even be on the tail end of that recall if it is slipping, but you need to make sure that's what it is because a lot of times people come in and they perceive it as a slip in a transmission, but it's like an engine running problem or something. And you give it to gas and it kind of bogged down, doesn't go, and then it takes off. And if you're not a real seasoned driver, a real mechanically inclined, you'll perceive it as a slip in the transmission where it's an engine running problem. Now, what you right. don't want to do is take it somewhere and tell them the transmission's slipping. No. You want to take it somewhere and tell Just, it, give them the symptoms, tell right. them what the car is doing. Let them figure out what's going on right. with it. Because yeah. if you go in and you add, you tell them the transmission's slipping, you're probably going to get a new transmission end up with the same problem you <laughs> got you now. Whether you or not, yeah. Right, right. Uh, the, the ideal thing is either you bring the car in yourself or if she brings the car in, request that you ride with the technician and put the tech in the car, put her in the car, and say, okay, watch, this is what I'm talking about. That's what I want fixed. And that way, if you're dealing with an honest guy, you're going to get a good job, and it's going to get fixed right, and, and you're not going to get anything you don't need. Right. Yeah, that sounds good, man. Look, I really appreciate it. Okay, Steve. Enjoy your show. Thank you, Thank sir. You. Okay. Bye-bye. Part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. we got to take one quick little break. We'll be right back with more. Travel my way, take the highway, that's the best. I get your kicks. Oh, I had a bad dream the other night. Can't be worse than mine. I was buried up to my neck in the desert, surrounded by an army of prairie dogs, and their leader rides up. Rides? Yep. It's Yule Brenner, and he orders me to eat this huge mound of candy corn. So all the prairie dogs line up and feed it to me piece by piece. I'll never look at that Halloween confectionery the same again. What about you? Well, I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, and my car left me stranded on I-10. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive is here with the best way to keep up with car maintenance. Get our annual general inspection. You pick the month, we check out your vehicle and recommend any maintenance you may need, which can save you costly repairs down the road. That was a freaky dream. Were you on medication, or did you eat anything strange? Uh, yeah. I actually ate a whole bag of candy corn left over from Halloween. 2014. Oh. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco. It's the place to go. Join us at the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Aldazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and just give us calls? And we got Gary online. Good morning, Gary. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm just great, ma'am. We're good. I have an 02 Buick Park Avenue, uh-huh. and I was parked in a parking lot last week. Yes, ma'am. And the parking lot just had a slight incline. Uh-huh. Not, I mean, it wasn't really enough for me to notice walking across uh-huh, it, uh-huh. but it was a slight incline. And it, the p- car had been parked for about an hour. Okay. And when I got in it, the car in drive, uh-huh. I rolled back. I put it into, of course, back in park. Uh-huh. I, I put it in reverse. It rolled backwards. 
didn't, it did not engage in gears. I put it in third. Uh-huh. It did the same thing. This okay. went on for about five or ten minutes. Yes, ma'am. It finally went in gear. And then cleared up? Yeah. That, that hasn't happened again since. Yeah, I have heard of that. There's a switch inside the transmission that when you're putting it in gear, you're moving a lever, but that's actuating a switch, which applies the solenoids to make it move and everything. And it's just a tad bit over my head because I don't build transmission myself. If Josh was on the show, he could tell you for certain. But there is a switch inside the transmission that can hang up and do that, and it is sort of an intermittent type of a thing. It may do it once and then not do it again for a year and then do it again. I don't think it's a super big repair. I do you don't have to take transmission out and take it apart, but I think you have to drop the valve body to fix that. To fix the solenoid. Yes, ma'am, to fix the switch that actuates yeah. it. Well, I, I would... took it into the dealer, mm-hmm. and they put it on the computer machine, uh-huh. Uh-huh. you know, to do a diagnostic. Yeah. They could not get the car to do that, and right. nothing shows up. Right. Well, see, that's kind of sort of typical dealership mentality. If they can't plug a computer in and tells them what's wrong with it, then they're lost. Yeah. You really need to get that to a real mechanic. Somebody knows what they're doing because... You can take those symptoms, you can look at the way the transmission's built, and from that you can deduce what could possibly cause the problem. Because uh-huh. there's not a lot of things that can cause that. Okay, so, the transmission solenoid is what you think Transmission it is. switch. It's a switch. switch. I think that it's inside the transmission, and when you're shifting the gear shift, it sends a signal to actuate the solenoids, which applies pressure to the clutches. But that's the only thing I know that could have it not have any gear. Uh-huh. For instance, if you just lost reverse but it would still go forward. That would be one thing. Right. If you just right. lost drive, but it would still back up, that could be something else. But to have no control of any of the gears, that right. almost has to be something that's controlling pressure to the clutches. So it's one of those things that if you want to just kind of wait and see if it happens again, it may have been a fluke. It could have been a little piece of trash caught in the valve. I mean, it could clear out and never, ever do it again. So I would probably drive it. If it occurs again, I would probably be concerned, and I would get someone, have them check that. And like I said, the way you have to find problems like that is to be, number one, familiar with the way the system operates, look at what things could possibly cause that, because it's not going to be very many choices, and then examine each of the parts until you see, hey, this is it. Yeah. How do I get a, find a transmission specialist? You talking well, to what I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> Well, unfortunately, I'm from out of town. Yeah. I drove in yesterday. Uh, I'm from Baton Rouge originally. Well, I drove in yesterday. What you Mobile, do? Alabama. Go go to my website and look on the very first page, and there's an article said how to find a great shop. Okay. Read that article thoroughly from one end to the other, and then do what it says, and you're gonna end up with a good shop. I'll guarantee it. Not only for this problem, but for every problem you have in the future. Okay, what's your website? It's agcoauto.com, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. And it's right on the front page. It'll say how to find a great shop. Okay, thank you very much. All righty, ma'am. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, part of the Automotive Hour. We'd love to have you. And we've got Josh online. Good morning, Josh. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, I have a 1999 Toyota 4Runner. Uh-huh. And it's missing, and I brought it to up. But uh, apologize. tell me what it's doing. Okay, it, it read on the uh, machine that it's misfiring on cylinder one. Okay. And I changed the spark plugs. Okay. Changed the wire. Okay. And I, I switched the coal coil on mm-hmm. uh, cylinder one yes, over to three. Mm-hmm. And determined it's not the coil. The misfire stayed on uh, one after all that? Yes, sir. Okay. The next thing, Josh, that I would want to do is to check the compression on cylinder number one. See if you've got low compression in one of your cylinders. If you do not, 
then about the only thing left, there's going to be two things left. One will be an injector, which you could take the injector out of that cylinder and move it to another cylinder, which is not too difficult, and see if the misfire moves. If it is not an injector and it's not compression, then it's got to be one of the computer drivers on that cylinder. It's probably not firing the injector or not firing that cylinder. Okay. Which is going to kind of get above your head that, there. Yeah, someone had mentioned it, it could be a time, the timing belt. Absolutely no, not. No. no. Cannot make one cylinder miss. Timing belt's going to affect all the cylinders. Right, affect every not cylinder. Not just equally. one. Mm-hmm. What you're looking for is something okay. that affects that one cylinder. And you've, you've changed the plug, you've changed the wire, you've moved the coil. Right. Like Lewis was saying, you only got two other things to do. And if you, Three things, yeah. Well, you, you're handy. If you're handy enough, you can move the injector right. to a different cylinder. If yeah, it's, if I it's mounted on a bar, and I don't think I really want to get into all that. Yeah, well, you can take it somewhere and have, have, have somebody, somebody do it, do it but, for you. Yeah, and, and a shop probably would not. They would do like an injector bleed-down test or injector pulse-width test, something like that. It's if you don't have any equipment, you got to do it the hard way. If you got equipment, it's a lot easier. But really, other than engine compression, which if you got a compression gauge, you can test that pretty easily. If you don't, you can buy one real cheap. In fact, some parts stores leave loan you one. Check your engine compression. If the engine compression is low in that cylinder, you got an internal engine problem. And you might as well stop okay. from there. You might as well stop and right decide there. decide what you're going to do. Right. You could have a burnt valve. You could have lots of things. Broke valve spring. Who knows? But if the engine compression is good, you know the engine's healthy. So then that means it's going to okay. be a peripheral on the outside, which is either going to be an injector or something to do with the time of the engine. Now, like I said, you can have a computer can lose the drivers on one cylinder. And it just doesn't fire that cylinder. You fire the other five and not fire that one. Not common, but it yeah. can happen. So when you get to that point, it's better to bring it to somebody and let them test it for you. Just because, like you said earlier, you can swap parts side to side, but you can't test anything because you don't have a lab scope and you don't have all the other stuff. So at that yeah. point, it becomes a lot more cost effective to pay somebody to check it than to just throw parts at it because the parts become real expensive. The labor gets real high, so you got to start testing. But yeah, uh, kind of I, at that point. <laughs> yeah, I would test the compression on it just to make sure. If you check compression and it's good, it's, it should be up probably between 150 to 180 per cylinder and pretty even from one cylinder to the other. In other words, if you've got uh, five cylinders at 180 and one cylinder at 150, that's a problem. But if they're all around all right. 150, then that's not a problem. Okay. All righty. And check that. And like I said, if it's not that, then most likely on a Toyota, it would probably be an injector just because they have very little problems with the computers on them. Yeah, I read on like a, a forum online, mm-hmm. and, and had a couple of the guys had the same problem, and it ended up being an injector. Yes, yeah, sir, it can very well be. And and like I said, you got to pull the fuel rail. It's kind of a pain if you're not used to doing it. But you could swap the injector, say, to number three, and then put number three on number one. If misfire goes to number three, well, you know that's it. Okay. All righty. Right, well, thank you all. Okay, Josh. All right. Thank you, man. Bye-bye. All right, 499-9526 number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we would love to have you. And we've got Missy online. Good morning, Missy. Good morning. Yes, Good ma'am. morning. Yeah, I have a 2003 Trailblazer, mm-hmm. and probably for the last six weeks or so, the muffler has been like sounding like a train. Okay, just real loud. Mm-hmm. And the check engine light's been off and on, and I've had a little bit of work done to it. Mm-hmm. There was one point where the headlights wouldn't come on at all. I think they replaced a delay switch okay. or something. Mm-hmm. But now... It won't start. The lights will come on. All the lights on the dash will come on. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be the battery, I wouldn't think, if the lights are coming on. Well, does it crank over and not start, or does it just doesn't do anything? It tries. It, like, hesitates. And it actually started yesterday because my alarm went off. And so I put the key in it to start it to turn it off. And when I went back to start it a few minutes later, it wouldn't crank over at all. 
That sounds more like a theft mm -hmm. system type of a problem. If that's an aftermarket alarm in there, Missy, the first thing I'd do is get somebody to look at that and see if possibly they can disarm or disable that alarm system because an alarm system can definitely disable a starter. And it's going well, to be it's the alarm that came, you know, with it. Yeah, okay. yeah, absolutely. It'll, it'll, it can shut the starter down if it thinks the car is being stolen. And if it's malfunctioning, then it's going to disable a starter. Yeah, but this, it's not just because that just happened to be the first time it did that with mm -hmm. the alarm. But yeah, but it doesn't have to turn the alarm time. on. It does not have to turn the alarm on. Okay. That could just be another another symptom going down the road. Yeah, it could be something like if it's got a sensor and it thinks the car is being stolen, mm -hmm. then it is going to shut the starter down. It is not going to crank. What it's going to do is it's going to arm the theft system. Right. Whether the alarm, whether you hear the whole alarm going off or not, right, it will arm itself sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That'll cause that a no start. Sounds like a security system problem. Well, what about muffler rattling? Like, could it be that? No, that's not going to keep from starting. That's a separate problem, I'm sure. It's like a rattle when it's sitting still. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's more likely really not going to be the muffler. More likely that's going to be the catalytic converter. That's what I'm saying. Could that mm. stop it from starting? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. No, ma'am, it will not. It's going to be a separate issue. That could be your check engine light. Right. It sounds like you got several things going on with it. Probably got more than one thing, yeah. yeah. I mean, if it. you just want to eliminate the catalytic converter as a possibility, and if you know someone who's pretty handy – you can either temporarily disconnect the converter from the exhaust pipe, mm -hmm. and of course it's going to be noisy as a devil, but it can bypass the converter then, and if it starts up, then, I mean, I've never seen a catalytic converter keep one from starting. It may start and run a few minutes and die, you know, kind of choke down, but it's not going to keep it from starting. What about the battery? A dead battery could keep it from cranking. It can't keep it from starting, but it wouldn't do anything at all when you turned it. What you could do to eliminate that in, just in your mind is turn the key to the start position mm -hmm. and hold it, and at the same time, reach over and blow the horn. And if the horn still blows, then the battery's probably not dead. Okay. Because if it's got enough power to blow the horn and turn the key, then it's probably not. I mean, it could be a lot of things. It could be a starter motor going bad. It could be, you know, just on and on and on, even a cable or something. But it just sounds like a theft system problem because it came back and started again later. And then, okay. and then armed again. And that's just real common on that vehicle. Okay. Just kind of sounds like it's time for a new GMC truck. <laughs> <laughs> well, sounds like I somebody mean, looking for a new vehicle. Yeah. Sounds good anyway. Yeah, yeah, if you're looking for a car anyway, it might be. But, I mean, it's nothing there that can't be fixed. Right. It's just you, you need to get somebody who knows what they're doing. Okay. All righty. All right, then. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much. You're yes, welcome. Bye-bye. Right. Bye-bye. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. Darren and Dorian, hang on. You guys will be straight up after this break. Phew, I had a bad dream last night. Girl, me too. I was out on a date with Matthew McConaughey. Well, that doesn't sound too bad. But literally, all he could say was... All right, all right, all right. Still, it's... In auto-tune. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Over and over and over. Oh, it was a nightmare. What about you? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at Agco, which cost me thousands in repair. Now that's scary. Agco Automotive's general inspection is the best way to make sure your car performs at its peak and you're not surprised by any major repairs. Bring your vehicle in once a year and we'll recommend any maintenance. We can even help decide if it's worth fixing or time for you to purchase another. My dream was scary, but yours was uh, all wrong, all wrong, all wrong. <laughs> 
Okay, are you finished now? Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Just join us as the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, between two of us, we're going to answer any automotive questions you put to us. You just go ahead and give us a call. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? And let's see. We have got Curtis has been patiently holding. Good morning, Curtis. Hey, how you doing? Doing great, sir. Good morning. Yeah, I have an 83 Grand Prix, mm-hmm. and my reverse light don't go off when I put it in drive. Okay. And I have another problem. My air... It blows, but it don't blows out the main vent. Yeah. On the reverse lights, Curtis, the first thing you'd want to check on that, there's a part on the side of the transmission called a neutral safety switch, mm-hmm. and that also controls reverse light function. So the mm-hmm. first thing you do, unplug that switch and see if they go out. Now, if they stay on when you unplug that switch, you got a short somewhere in that circuit, and you're getting power to reverse lights that it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. If they go out, then the most likely cause is going to be the neutral safety switch itself. Mm-hmm. Now, on your air conditioner blowing, it's probably blowing at the floor and or at the windshield. And yeah. that is almost always going to be a vacuum line that's off because that's vacuum-controlled vents on that particular car. It has a bunch of little vacuum actuators under the dash. Mm-hmm. It has springs that pull it to a default position when it loses vacuum. And default position is going to be defrost because that's a safety feature. Mm-hmm. So when it doesn't get a vacuum input, it's going to go to defrost as default. So most of the time, that's going to be a vacuum line that's off. All right, Okay. All right, Curtis. Thank you, man. And going our lines with Darren. Good morning, Darren. Mr. Alvazan, how are yes, you doing, sir? Doing great, sir. I'm calling to inquire about motor oil additives. Okay. I use Mobile Synthetic 1 or Mobile, mobile one, 1 Synthetic. Yes, sir. I've seen that I've done really well with that. Yes, sir. I, my, the guy who changed my oil keeps trying to sell me something called MOA. I think it's called MOA. Yeah, don't do it. That's just something to sell you. Mobile 1 has got basically everything you're ever going to need in the way of an oil and then some. That exceeds the specifications of every manufacturer on, uh, that there is out there. The problem when you start adding things to oil, oil is a very, very delicate chemistry of things. And if the oil company wanted more of a certain ingredient, they would put more of that ingredient in there. The problem is a lot of these additives are not compatible with the ingredients that you have. For instance, let's say you may have an anti-foam ingredient in this additive which is nothing wrong with that, but it may interfere with some of the polymers in the oil because there's only so many places for the molecules to fit on that engine bearing, and everything that needs to be there is there. So anytime you start throwing anything else into the mix, you can end up with real unexpected things. I know I don't even like to mix the brand of oils that I use. If you use one brand of oil, stay with that brand. Don't go from Quaker State to Pennzoil to Castrol to Mobile they're all good, but they're not all compatible. Each and every one is an incredibly complex blend. And I've got several customers that worked in the lab at Exxon who blend it and make all. In fact, I know guys that work for Mobile One, and they will tell you the same thing. You know, there is no manufacturer out there that recommends any kind of an additive. None of them. And okay. there's no all manufacturer that recommends any kind of an additive. Most right. of that stuff is something to sell you. I've got an article on my site on flat rate, and I talk about spiffs a little bit. What a spiff is, is a guy comes around to the shops, and he says, hey, guys, look, I got this great new snake oil I want you to sell, and 
What you do is you pull this box top off when you sell it to the customer and you tear it in half. The tech keeps one half and the service rider keeps the other half. Now, I'm going to come around once a week and I'm going to give you $2 for every box top you got. And that's the way that stuff gets sold. Gotcha. You know, it's, gotcha. somebody's getting a big old bonus to sell that. I would not ever put any kind of value. I mean, if you're using Mobile One and you change it on a fairly regular basis, you're not ever going to – you're going to get tired of looking at that car before you have any lubrication problems, I can assure you. Okay, I change it about every five to 6,000 miles, but I, it's been Depends on how you drive. Yeah, if you drive putting a lot of highway miles on it, putting a fair amount of miles on it, that's good. If you're putting around town, little short trips, I'd probably change it a little more often. Okay, leads me to my second part of the question okay. here. What about uh, how often should I pour a fuel injector cleaner into my tank when I fill up? Not at all. Not ever. Not ever. Okay. No. That's another one of those things that they won't try to sell you. Fuel injections, in fact, there's another article on the site about fuel injection. Fuel injectors are self-cleaning. they got a taper seat. Most of them are Teflon coated. If you're using a decent grade of gasoline, you're not ever going to have a problem. Now, this is the kicker. Our fuel already has ethanol in it. Okay? Ethanol is a pretty powerful detergent. When you're adding injector cleaner, basically you add more ethanol to your fuel. You can overdose the, the engine. Instead you keep a, dumping that stuff in there, you can end up dissolving the lining in your fuel tank. You can do all kinds of harm, and you're not going to get any benefit out of it. Injector cleaner is not maintenance. That's something that just gets sold. You know, I, I listen to these commercials all the time, these car parts places. Oh, do this and increase your fuel mileage. No, you're not. In fact, it's not even good for the car. Kind like you hear these, these commercials all the time. Change your air filter and get 10% more. No, you can't. You know, a plugged-up air filter, it's not a good idea to keep a dirty air filter, but if anything, a plugged-up air filter is going to give you better fuel mileage because it's going to cut the fuel back. The computer monitors how much air yeah, is coming into the right. motor, and it, 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 cuts it applies the fuel back, cuts so fuel much fuel back to per, match the air. So that's right. So much of that stuff that gets just professed, that, but it's nothing but just something to sell you. Okay, well, yeah, it pushes my oil change up. I usually end up buying both because he tells me I need it. And it, pushes my, it pushes my oil change up about another 30, 35 bucks. I tell you exactly. what I would do. I would find another oil change guy. That or I'd tell him, hey, just thanks, but no thanks. Just change the oil. Okay, thank you, sir. Okay, man. All right, Darren. Thank you, man. All right, if you want to be part of the automotive hour, we would love to have you. We've got Earl online. Good morning, Earl. Hey, guys. Good yes, morning. What's going on this morning? Yeah, just great. Busy, busy. My son had sent you an email this week about his car. Okay. A 90 Supra with ABS brakes. I don't remember that one, but I get so many emails, I, I just don't recall it. Well, change the left rear caliper on, okay, on okay. his car because yes. it was stuck. Okay. And that's the first time he's attempted something like this by himself. Mm -hmm. He let the master cylinder go completely dry. Okay. Okay. And so now we were bleeding the brakes, the two-man bleed. Yes, sir. And the back ones get very little fluid. Yes, sir. The front will pump up good mm -hmm. and hard, mm -hmm. and then we switch around again back, and the pedal will go down to the floor and will not pump back up again. Yes, sir. He could have damaged that master cylinder on a vehicle that old. What happens, see, the cylinder never goes to the floor. It only travels for about an inch until it gets hard. Well, the end of that cylinder, since there's never any travel in that area, tends to corrode up uh -huh. because it's aluminum. Now, what happens, you got some hard seals because they're 20 years old riding back and forth on that smooth part of that board, that's fine. Well, the well, first time you break the line and push the pedal to the floor, you're pushing it all through that corrosion, and you likely tear the seals up in the master cylinder. When I say floor, I mean a tube before. Yeah, it doesn't matter. If you if push it, it goes further than it normally farther. travels, right. uh -huh. you're, you're very likely to damage the master cylinder. Okay, we bled it on the core. Mm -hmm. And it gets solid fluid on both sides. Yeah, but you can't measure the pressure. 
can't measure the pressure. Yeah, you got to have 1,200 pounds of pressure to apply those rear brakes. So having a solid flow of fluid, flow and pressure is two different things. So it could still be, be the master. Absolutely. You'd have to put a gauge on it to know for sure. But the only things I can think of that would make the pedal go to the floor like that would be one, either the front brakes are pumping up, which is not allowing the cylinder to go back down far enough to push the fluid out the back, uh-huh. or the master cylinder got tore up in the bleeding process, which would be pretty common on a cylinder that old. Okay. Anytime we deal with a car that age, we use a pressure pot to bleed it. We don't stroke the master cylinder. Yeah, I didn't have one yes, of those. Uh, is it possible it got some air trap in the ABS modulator? Quite possible. How do I get it out? Toyota scan tool. well i'm stymied yeah even on a car that old the technology is going to be way over most people's heads probably your best bet on that thing earl what i would recommend is get someone that you know and trust have them pressure bleed it to start with and see if that can get the air out that now pressure tank will push it all the way through the abs unit on out yeah. So if that doesn't do it, the next step would be to put a gauge on that master cylinder and see if you've got adequate pressure at the rear port. If you don't, then you have to put a master cylinder on it. Well, that takes care of my problem, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, but old master cylinders are real, real finicky. Uh-huh. Uh, like I said, if you push it down just further than it normally travels, you got to remember that piston's only been moving, say, for about a half an inch in that cylinder. And that little area is nice and clean and shiny, but everything beyond that's all corroded up because yeah, we, it hadn't had any motion in that area for 20 years. We didn't want to throw any money at a part. Yeah, I would uh, not just change the master cylinder without having it checked first because you may be able to pressure bleed it and get it to work. Okay, I'll try that. And, and that's relatively inexpensive to have done. Well, great. I appreciate it. Okay, Earl. Thank you, sir. If you want to be part of the automotive, we'd love to have you. And we got Mike online. Good morning, Mike. What's happening, guys? Good yeah, morning. Good, good. 64,000 miles, 06 Ford F-350, super, uh, super duty, dually. Yes, sir. Problem started, lost an alternator, uh, drive shaft vibration, uh, ate an alternator, I lost the rear main seal, and next thing was a transmission wiring harness that jumped out of gear at 75 miles an hour on interstate, just, and then it started knocking. The transmission temperature went almost down to nothing, eating batteries. Now the water reservoir started what they call burning. I did some research after I'd lost water and I didn't know where it was going, didn't have any leaks. Changed the cap on the uh, water reservoir, you know, out of desperation, throw some more cooling in it, doubled up the uh, clamp on the bottom radiator hose to make sure I didn't have anything I was losing while driving. Did it to me again, left me on the side of the road, put it in the shop. They had to change the head gaskets now. Yeah. I asked them to put ARP bolts on it to maybe stop this from happening again. They refused. Yeah, was that a six liter? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, from all the blogs I'm reading, man, awesome. people tell me once they got this trouble here, dude, to sling them. I still yeah. got 30,000 miles left on my warranty. They've covered everything that has gone wrong with it. Yeah. My question is uh-huh. should I take the advice of the bloggers and drive this thing a little further and go ahead and get rid of it? Or what is the best time as resale value goes on this truck? It's loaded out. Mm-hmm. When should I sell it? Or is there any trouble after the burping problem and the oil cooler and the EGR has been changed out? There's a bunch more problems. That 6-liter was pretty much, in my opinion, a piece of junk, word go. I mean, there's lots and lots and lots more stuff to go wrong. You ain't, bought, buddy, a, you ain't bought a turbo uh, yet. You ain't bought injectors yet. You know? yeah. Well, they, I've got the premium warranty, and they charge me 100 bucks, but they fix whatever's wrong. I mean, I have yeah. no complaints to, with the repairs. Yeah, but, but, yeah, but it's going to run out of warranty. Yeah, it's going to go out of warranty. And, and then you're going to be stuck. Yes, sir. My, I'm wondering, my friend has a uh, an 04, same engine. Well, you know, it's a little knowing. He, 
He put the program system on it, and he runs the fire out of his. Yeah. He never had a minute's trouble. Yeah, yeah some people and get lucky. I, I, yeah, and I hear some people, if you got a bad one, you, you get all the problems. If you don't have a bad one, you don't get any problems. Well, I've never seen anybody who didn't get any problems. I've seen people get less than others, but... Basically, it was a bad design from the get-go, and right, when they, they replaced it and went to the 6.4, six four, it ain't any better. They're going, they going to a 6.7. Why would you believe that? I mean, you know, if they built two in a row to the junk, what would make you trust them for a third one? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> now, I've heard that they, you can order a Cummins in the, in the new body. Now, have you heard that? I uh, know, sir. I hadn't seen that. I, I know right. there were some ramblings. Ford was hoping to get the deal from Cummins because Dodge wasn't making the numbers, but as far as I know, that hadn't come about yet. As far as the body, man, the truck will beat you to death if you don't have a load in it. But I love the, the, the truck. I've never hooked anything I couldn't pull. Now, I don't, I don't tow all the time. Right. I just, I've just rolled the road a lot. Yeah. What diesel out there that's got some pulling power are you seeing that's holding well, up for us? Well, the Duramax seems to hold up pretty well. The I Cummins was, holds up pretty yep. well. Yep, I knew you was going to say that. Yeah. I'm a GMC man, the Denali XLs. I've had yeah. four of those vehicles with the six-liter, never had a wrench on them. Yeah, so yeah, they, they, they're pretty decent. Yeah. You know, Ford, I can't believe Ford has allowed this to happen to themselves because that is their market, is the diesel trucks. I mean, that's where all their money's at. And they've had two losers in a row. And so I was talking to the guy today. So we think about that new engine. I said, how many strikes you going to give them, man? Three strikes, you out, you know? You just yeah. built two pieces of junk. Why would I trust you on a third one? Yeah, I was wanting to hear you say Duramax. I'm afraid I'm going to have to go do that. Yeah, God, yeah. I'll be pretty pleased with those. We don't see that much problem out of them. What mileage would you wait to to go ahead and sell it for the best resale value? What you got on it now? 64 now, and it's just I'm going to pick it up right now. Yeah, I mean, you could probably still get pretty good money for it. If you wait till the warranty runs out, that's going to be a big detriment to selling right. it. Because, see, that, if that warranty is transferable, which I'm sure it is, you can always use that as a selling point. Hey, I'm still under warranty here. Yes, sir. So... I mean, I wouldn't wait until, I mean, if you, if you got to drive it another 10,000 miles, 20,000 miles, you're probably okay, but don't wait till the warranty runs out or even till it's yeah. close to running out. About 75, put it on the I market. believe I would. All right, guys. Okay, you, man. Guys. Thank you. Bye. All right, we got to take one more quick little break. Pat, hang on. You'll be straight up after this break. I had a bad dream the other night. Oh, me too. I was abducted by aliens, but they weren't little green men. They looked more like a cross between a chicken and a gremlin. Like the 80s movie? Yeah, so they take me up to this spaceship and onto this theater stage, and in the audience sits all the cats of my ex-girlfriends, and they're just sitting there judging me. Even Mr. Piddles, who I actually kind of liked. Oh, uh, what was your dream? I dreamed I forgot to schedule my annual general inspection at AGCO and my car broke down. Now that's scary. Hey, at AGCO Automotive, we know it's hard to keep up with maintenance. What do I do at 15,000 miles? What do I do at 75? We recommend an annual general inspection. Just pick a month and bring in the vehicle. We'll give it the once-over and can recommend any maintenance you may need before something causes bigger problems down the road. So did they take you to their leader? No, they made me watch a cat video reenactment of Steel Magnolias. It was horrible. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got Mr. Brian Terry, our lead tech from Agco. Hey, between the two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. we still got a few more minutes. Go ahead and give us a call. We'll get you right on up there at the top of the list. That's right. The gentleman was talking earlier with the all change and the all additive. He made a really good comment that 
I like just talking to Tad about. He says, every time I go there, they try to sell me this and this, and I walk out spending a hundred bucks. Right. Well, if you look at these little oil change places, they got one every corner. They are not building these places hand out of fist by making nineteen ninety five on oil changes. Exactly. And it's bad enough that they're going to try to sell you junk that maybe you, you don't, don't need, need, maybe isn't going to do you any good. But in some cases, they damage the vehicle because they're going to take. They could try to sell you an air filter probably every time you go in there. Right. A lot of them will. And the air filter they put in there is absolute junk. It's not as good as the one they're taking out. Not to mention they may damage the box or the may the, damage the, the box. Leave or... the clip off that you can't buy. Now you got to buy a whole new air box. Right. Uh, drop dirt down inside the intake, changing it improperly. Read an article back. I forgot what university it was, but several graduate students did a thing on air filters, and it's on the internet. And if you can't find it, send me an email, and I'll send you a link to it. But basically, they took four or five different cars and restricted the air filter to the point that the car would no longer run. Okay. And the fuel mileage never changed any at all. None. Well, exactly. It's not going to. (laughs) Yeah, it can't. And we've been saying that for years and years. But what they did find is when you change the air filter, you can do a tremendous amount of damage by dropping dirt down in that air box. That's right. Because that's on the other side of the filter. That's right. And that's going right straight to the engine, right straight to the rings, right straight to the cylinder walls, right straight to the valves. And any, you know, that filter's probably filtering anything larger than 40 microns out, but all that dust and dirt and trash sitting on top of that filter, when you take it out, if you bump it and it all falls down an air box, well, as soon as you start the engine, guess where it's going? That's it. It's going inside. So you're doing a whole lot more damage by checking and changing air filters that don't need to be changed anyway. Mm-hmm. It's one reason Chevrolet and some of the others put those monitors on their air filter boxes. It's a vacuum boxes. monitor. Right, so you could test that. And I'm not saying they work that well because I've seen some pretty dirty ones that it did not catch, but... It's probably better than anything else, but air filters are another one of those things that just gets changed all the time. Mm-hmm. They're readily available. They're right there on top. Well, a lot of them, something they, something something they can they do. sell real quick, well, do real quick. It doesn't require any expertise to change it. That's it. What's a happening, kid with a screwdriver. More and more and more, they can't do the proper services because they don't have the diagnostic abilities. They don't have the expertise. So they got to push the stuff. Well, they, that, ba- they bait you in with a low oil change. Right. A low price on an oil change. nineteen ninety five, whatever it is. And like you say, when they get you there, then right. they're going to sell you an oil additive, a fuel additive, an Engine air filter, flush, in- yeah. injecting flush, transmission upper flush, intake cleaning, right? All the kind of snake oil and crud that you don't need. And you hear commercials all the time, even these parts stores jumping in on the bandwagon now. Oh yeah, use this to get better. No, it's not going to give you better gas mileage, and it's going to damage the car. That's right. If you already got ten percent ethanol in your fuel. How much more you want to dump in there? Well, if you get over, what is it like twenty percent? Oh, I don't know, 15, 20%. 15%. 20%. Yeah, start setting check engine yeah. lights and everything else. And it's amazing to me, but people come all up in arms when they say they can start adding ethanol to the fuel. I mean, it was almost a revolution, and probably rightly so. I uh-huh. agree with them. But then they go and voluntarily dump more in the tank. Well, that's it. That 10% <laughs> that the government's putting in our gasoline now is, is killing the gas mileage already. Right. And then you're adding that yeah. much more. You dump two cans of injector cleaner in the tank and watch your fuel mileage drop. Oh, yeah. Because what you've the... done is you've diluted the fuel. That's right. You know, to the point where it doesn't have near as much energy in it because fuel injection cleaner doesn't have as much energy as gasoline. That's right. So and you're going to cut your mileage down yep. in, instead of increasing it. And you start dissolving the linings in your fuel tank because your fuel tank's made out of plastic. It's not designed to have all that high, high, high detergent in there. Mm-hmm. And the killing part of it all is it's just none of it's even needed. It's That's totally right. unnecessary. Doesn't do any good at all and can do a whole lot of harm. Get you a good 
find you a good gas station that turns yeah. a lot of fuel over, buy a good grade of gasoline. Good name brand grade. Try right. to stay at that station as much as you can. That's right. I've got three stations that I use. If one has got a, a fuel tanker sitting in it filling the tanks, right. I'll go to my other one. Right. But I've got three stations in town that I use. Mm-hmm. And that's the, I've never had a problem with fuel well, that's it. And on any of my vehicles. I'm the same way. Even when I'm traveling, I'm going to stay with certain name brands that I know and trust. I don't ever go to these discount uh, right. department stores and buy gas. I don't ever buy the private label gas. And I got to say, in 45 years of driving, I have never once had a plugged-up injector. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever put a fuel pump on a car. And I guess some of that's maybe just good luck on my part, but... I've never had anybody come into the shop with major, major fuel system problems of any kind, ask them where they get the gas, and hear the words Exxon or Chevron or Shell. Exactly. It's, it's always, always department stores right. and the cheap name, uh, no-name brands and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And, of course, all this information and practically everything we've been talking about today is on the website. So That's right. It's, you want to pop on there, see what you think. Really save yourself some money. Find your search bar, type in the least amount of information in the search bar you can get right. away with, and you'll get a lot of information on that topic. Right. You just about get tired of reading before you run out of information That's it. there. So but like I said, a lot. just about every one of the questions we have today is covered on that in that website. Yes, so uh, it is. Lots of good, good information. It's agcoauto, A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. I want to tell everybody much. I appreciate them listening this morning and every Saturday morning. And we'd like to thank our podcasters that listen over the air. That's right. You guys send as many as you can. We need all the listeners we can. Preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.